behind a makeshift pulpit. Let's pray. Father, help me and help us. Thank you for this letter written by one of your servants many years ago, a pastor, a man who not only walked with the Lord, but then lived amongst his people for many years. Help us to see uh, Jesus in this text and point all of our affections and thoughts and questions and even doubts toward the word, Jesus Christ, the man. And minister to us now. This is a very practical lesson, Lord. Help us to receive and not just be hearers as we've learned in James, but go do this week until the end of the age. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a very simple message. I'm going to do a lot of talking. I'm going to quote a lot of scripture because this message doesn't have a lot of unpacking. It kind of is what it is. If you have a Bible, we'll be in James chapter 3. If not, the scripture will be on the screen. If you have a smartphone or a tablet, you probably have a Bible, so head on over there. The last couple weeks we've been in James, actually the last 10 weeks. James 1, anybody remember? Hard times are coming. You can either battle well or battle poorly. The first thing that will come when hard times come, we want to doubt. We want to give up. James talks about that. He also shows us how God in grace can use the hard times of our life to show us what is most important. Not many times when we hike to Glacier Point and see the Yosemite Valley do we think what's most important with life. We're usually overtaken by awe and wonder, and that's good too. But when the hard times come, the Holy Spirit has a tendency to zero in and say, you're going to make it through, and when you make it through, I'm going to give you the grace to change perspective because this is what really matters. And that's one of the benefits of hard times. In the middle of the chapter, I prayed it. Toward the end, he said, don't just be a hearer of what I'm telling you. Be a what? Doer. And then at the end, he told us what true and perfect religion is to take care of orphans and widows and their affliction and to remain unstained from the world. And what James is getting at is don't be just a hearer because many hearers who just hear get stained by the world. Rather be a doer, and that's part of our protection when we obey Jesus. When we're doing the work of the kingdom, the world looks less appealing. That's what James is getting at, right? You guys ever, can anybody testify to that? Not really, but you know that. When you're doing God's work, both here and afar, the things that drag us down don't look as tantalizing, right? So that's what James, chapter 2, he was specific. Do not show partiality or discrimination anywhere, especially in the church. Remember that? If a fine-dressed man comes, don't automatically do all these things. And then he gave some practical reasons. He says, those are the people who are dragging you in court most likely and want everything. And he talked about discrimination. And then in the last part of chapter 2, we spent a couple weeks in faith and works. They are related, they're sisters and brothers, they're cousins and aunts and uncles, and this gospel call is a dance. Remember the antagonist, I have faith, you only have works? James says, I will show you my faith by my works. And he didn't have a microphone back then, but for some of the young crowd, he just walked away. And so, come, come at me, bro, that's what he said, right? Come at me with your faith only. So here we go, as a backdrop, let's start quickly, you can turn there, just listen. Matthew chapter 15. I'm going to stand again on 
I believe the letter of James was written by James to Christians as a pastor, commenting, as a commentary, I'll say it that way, on Jesus' life and teaching, especially the Sermon on the Mount. That's where I'm coming from. That's my whole thing. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, greatest speech, stump speech, sermon, anything ever said, he used that a lot. It wasn't just one afternoon in Matthew. That was probably his stump speech as he went and taught. And I think James knew that. And as James is getting older, the, the church is growing massively. And he is reminding people of our Lord and his teaching. So here we go. Matthew 15, real quick. This is the backdrop. Jesus is getting into it with the Pharisees. How many of you like to get into it with the Pharisees? Don't lie in church. You're not Jesus. Be careful. Jesus was, okay? He was going toe-to-toe. Mono e mono. Most of us should just listen and watch if that were to happen. Jesus is not walking around the earth today. I'm not implying that. But let's not be overzealous to be like, I'm going to get him like Jesus got him. Hold on. Just learn. Matthew 15, verse 15. But Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. Jesus is so good. As I've said many times, Jesus is the grace of God walking around in sandals because he's already shown them things for a year and a half or two. And how many of us will go, why do I have to explain it again? Are you obtuse? For you younger folks, that's an old, Kayla, what is it called? An old burn? The new one is burn, right, my daughter? That's an old burn. That means are you dumb? Okay. Verse 16, and he said, are you also still without understanding? Very nice, but he's getting to the point. Verse 17, Matthew 15, do you not see that whatever goes in the mouth and passes in the stomach is expelled? Jesus very clearly gives a biology lesson. You eat, and if you're healthy enough, it goes away. Okay? Verse 18, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from where? You, me. You know, Jesus goes from biology to gospelology to Christology to spirituality to religion, whatever you want to say. He goes to who you are and who I am. Whatever comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and that defiles a person. Big debate. Not, don't have time to get there. We'll preach it maybe later someday. The Pharisees were all about what? We know. Outward and rules. If I don't eat this and if I don't do that, I can live inside and do whatever I want as long as I walk the party line. America's actually a lot like that, but I don't have time to go there. I shouldn't just say America. The earth. Humanity is a lot like that. We just don't need a temple. That's who we are. We're legalists at the core, and Jesus brings a kingdom perspective. Remember what Jesus does always. He brings a counterintuitive perspective to humanity. How is that true, Jesus? Verse 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Out of the heart we break every commandment, Jesus says. (laughs) Not by what we eat, because there were a few dietary restriction laws in the Old Testament. One of the reasons they were there, why weren't the Jewish people or the Hebrews in the wilderness and other places not allowed to eat shellfish and different things? Because they probably would have died. There was no Freon back then. There was no way to prepare it in a healthy way. So some of them were protection. Some of them had other ritualistic rites in the Jewish religion. But Jesus says, you break God's law with your heart. 
and then you show everyone with your words. Oh, Jesus is a cold, man. Don't try and fight the Pharisees this week. There's more for us than that, okay? Just hear the words. Verse 20, these are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. And everybody under 10 says amen, because that's what they do. Right? That's what they do. I worked as a paramedic for almost 10 years. We're very clean, but we're also not germaphobes. Let's just say it that way, right? We just roll how we roll sometimes, right? But to not be able to worship, to not be able to be part of community, to not be able to practice the family faith because you didn't follow strict washing guidelines is far from the heart of God. And for all the ladies out there, I'm not, I'm just making a statement. The men were overseeing these rules, right? I'll just say it that way. This is the backdrop of what James is writing. He is putting forth for us the importance of what comes out of our mouth. So here we go. James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers. Amen. Sometimes uh, people come to me and say, I really have something to preach. I really want to teach. I really want to share. And what we tend to do is say, calm down. And after we disciple and love and meet and do some things we try and do, when the person feels like, I have a burden to share the Lord's word, then we go, now we're starting somewhere. (laughs) Because it's not specifically about getting up and talking. It's about trying to admonish and love the kingdom. So James Cooley says, not many should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That's easy. Those who speak more, especially about God, can err more, and there's more on the line. Speaking about God, both in church and out, has a greater weight than speaking about the San Francisco Giants. Maybe not to real Giants fans, but you know what I'm saying. Because great manipulation can happen in the name of God. In Christian circles, in Muslim circles, in Jewish circles, And so as we continue to walk forward, what is my stance is I will proclaim everything in the Bible that points to the living and dying Jesus as the true word of God, and we will go forward in kingdom work that way. I will also question and work through with my own heart and us the tough passages of Scripture. Because hear me, folks, people throughout the years have you manipulated the Bible for personal gain And that's one of the reasons teachers will be judged more strictly because they usually do that with their what? Mouths and words. I used to work at a uh, drug rehabilitation center. And there was a gentleman named Carl. He was a Vietnam vet. He had some mental issues, but he was also an addict, and we were doing the best. And he showed up in San Francisco in the 70s to, is it Jim Jones? Was he the guy? Someone help me. The king or king's house? Yeah, right? And he was at the first meeting Carl was, and he told me the testimony, and he walked in and he said, somehow, some way, this guy was mesmerizing, but I knew it wasn't of God. He's a teacher. People have a way to manipulate. James is specifically talking about Christian teachers, so we will be judged more harshly because of the great damage we can do. The first rule I, wor- I learned on the ambulance was do no harm. If you show up to a scene and all Hades is breaking loose, the first thing you are to not do is do more harm. Pastors and teachers and leaders need to have the same role, right? 
our first response as gospel people is do no harm, I'm here to help. Because sometimes we think our helping can actually harm them. We've got to discern. So James comes right out of the gate, and this is why he says this. Look at the next verse. For we all, James says, me too, we all stumble in many ways. Can, can we agree with that, at least? As Americans, we can agree with that, right? And if anyone does not stumble in what he or she says, the person says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. What James is saying that is coming off the faith and works montage and this whole idea of spiritual maturity, James says, I will show you the maturing person in Christ. They will start to bridle their tongue. And now, since we're in 2017, they will also start to bridle their fingers. Because the legalist, the snarky will go, I'll just type what I want to say. No, come on, we're, we're, we're better than that, right? Communication. As we're maturing, as we're seeing the gospel for what it is, as we're seeing Christ for who he is, he, in allegiance to him, by faith, the spirit comes and starts to reframe us and reshape us. And we go, I can't talk like that anymore. And I'm not talking about crude language. I'm talking about the intentions of the heart. Crude language, yeah. Those are easy biblical passages. Paul simply says, don't talk like that. We'll see that in a sec. But I'm talking about the eloquent dig. I'm talking about the well thought out. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never boy scout. Words hurt. Worse. That's a lie. So we could teach that. So we could basically say, I'll say some things I want to say, but I'm not hurting anybody. There's a balance again. I can remember some things said to me when I was seven years old, and I'm 41. I don't remember when I bit through my tongue barely playing baseball and almost had my tongue sewed back together. That hurt, but stitches are good, right? I can remember and lament and repent of some things. I told my wife, who wasn't my wife, when I was 19. Here it comes. We were watching a 49er game. The woman I was about to be engaged to. It was 1995. The Niners had just won the Super Bowl. I was maniacal back then. I'm kind of calm now because they stink. But Niner fans... Our eyes have been adjusted to the darkness. There's a little light, so look for it. That's what I told Gene before, right? So they lose to the Green Bay Packers, and the Green Bay Packers were underdogs. And so she, all she's doing is trying to encourage me. And you know what I said to this beautiful one? My in-laws are here. That's going to be tough. I said, shut up. You have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I did. Like, yes, Nancy's like, I'm never coming back to church. That was a long time ago, Nancy. But the point was... If I were to go back and change anything about my life in that year, the first thing I would have done is put my hand over my... And that's what James is getting at. That's what Jesus was about. Jesus was about, let our mouth and our fingers be a beacon, our life, not a sewage or a swamp, the pun of the, you know, whatever we want to say. So James is is a serious, serious pastor, and he's laying on the line for Christians. This goes both ways. How do we stumble with our words? We can boast, we can exaggerate, we can selectively report. I've been guilty of that before as well. We can criticize, we can gossip, we can slander. We can live 
as two-faced people, we can speak out of anger. And it goes the other way. We can flatter people for personal gain, right? Can somebody, not because I'm any good, can somebody send this to the Congress for them to hear next week? Because this is how we're conditioned to live. James 3, verse 3. If we put into our mouths, I'm sorry, if we put into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide the whole body. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong wind, they are guided by a very small rudder whenever the will of the pilot directs. Verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a fire. James, back to verse 5. James 3, 5. James intentionally says this example, so see it. James 3, 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts. James is a pastor. He is speaking to Christians. And he doesn't say... So also the tongue is a very small member, yet it cuts down. But that's there. But what does he say, church? It boasts. I believe as Christians, we kind of have it wired with, I really shouldn't talk negatively all the time. I really shouldn't talk down or bad. That's just common decency. <laughs> That's just humanity. Like if I meet someone, I probably should speak truth and grace to them in love, no matter what. But James puts in there, I think for us specifically, it's really hard for other people who aren't Christians when Christians boast all the time and exaggerate all the time and speak better of themselves than we ought to all the time. That, in some ways, I think, turns off people. Not that we're on to turn on people and off people. God's in control. We talk a lot about that. But hear this. Has exaggeration or boasting or speaking out of turn ever got you or I into hot water? And then what happens? We usually have to continue up the hot water dance, right? So just see it from James. And he uses the forest fire analogy. Simple, simple, simple. Ultimately, in this section, James says, if you can subdue and bridle and start to control your tongue, you can control pretty much your life. Oh, oh. not always. Not always. I mean, things happen and... But if we can control what comes from our mouth, which comes from our heart, which goes to our fingers, maybe email sometimes, we have a restraint and we can, in some ways, be used in a different way by the Holy Spirit. And obviously, what is the ultimate catalyst for this control? Jesus and the gospel. Jesus coming from heaven as the true word which would fulfill the old covenant and usher in the new covenant, living a perfect life, not just under the cross, yes, but showing us how to live 
as one who are controlled by God, whose hearts are on the right track, who say what they mean and mean what they say, not with ulterior motives. If Jesus could have texted back then, it wouldn't have been like some of my texts. That's the point or email. And then going to the cross, showing the grace of God on Calvary and being raised. And then what was his message? We'll hear it on Easter. Peace be with you. Come follow me. Live as I've taught you. You have heard it said. I say, no, I'm fulfilling this by in some ways breaking that and realigning that and upping the ante. Live in this way. I saw a study. How many words do you type or say a day? Anybody have a guess? About 15,000. This way, this way, or this way? Yeah, it's true. There, there was a study going around in the early th- millennia that women speak 20,000, men speak 7,000. I'm saying no. I know some men that can talk, 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 right? It's about 15,000 in forms of communication. Now, don't be overwhelmed. Let's submit ourselves to the gospel. Let's hear what's being said and go, what an opportunity. I have 15,000 on average times a day where I can be salt and light, where I can be a peacemaker, where I can live in this counterintuitive, counternatural, counter-U.S., counter-global way and say, I'm going to try and pursue Jesus today and everything, but especially with my words, because that's where we have the most what? Opportunity. So that's what James is getting at. Like I said, he's a cold-blooded pastor, right? I'm going to read some, we're going to skip ahead back there. We're going to read a little bit out of Proverbs. Proverbs is a great, we'll say a poetic wisdom type gathering of writings. Solomon was smart. He didn't finish that well, but he wrote some good things down. Proverbs 10, verse 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. (laughs) I'm still talking. I'm on about my 8,000th word up here, right? But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for a lack of sense or wisdom. Proverbs 12, verse 25, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, amen? But a good word makes the heart glad. Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are like Honeycomb, for the younger folks, pleasant words are like the best jamba juice you ever had on a hot day. That's nice, right? Sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat, will eat its fruit. So all over the scriptures, largely in the Old Testament, we have passages like that. But we know we who call ourselves Christians who are pursuing Jesus to the best of our ability under the grace of God who's called us by faith, lots of words, but that's how we're called, we have an opportunity literally to speak life 
or not. Every day. I have a rule. My wife doesn't like it. Sometimes I get these, like, novel text messages. Anybody been there? You get, like, and there's, like, 15 statements and questions. And when I was younger, I would try and rebut. But now it's like, can we talk? Isn't that better? Can we at least talk on the phone? I don't want to do all this because it's 945 and the baby's screaming in the next room. And... I didn't do the dishes yet, which I said to Jess I would, and the Giants just lost again, or whatever comes up in my mind. Can we talk? Can we get together? Can we get on the phone, or can we meet face-to-face? And when we talk, even in those confrontational situations, we are called to be salt and light, to be life. And sometimes we don't, this is the hardest part, I'm going to drop the nuclear bomb and we'll walk away. On the cross, Jesus was mocked. He was laughed at. We'll see it in a few weeks. He was spit at before, and then he was mocked, and they said, he claims he could save the whole nation, and he can't even save him what? Oh, man. The only righteous person to ever live who could have done anything he wanted, and he would have been just because he is that just. Let's just say it that way. What did he actually say to those people? Father, forgive them. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what they're doing. You're not Jesus. You can't call down angels from heaven, nor can I. So when we get into it, remember the posture of our Lord. Sometimes it's, I'm right and I'm just, and I could drop the hammer here, but I'm going to pause, and I'm going to salt my words so they will be received Not to manipulate or for gain because I am pursuing Jesus and I'm trusting him to make a way out of this situation. Paul talks about in Colossians 4, 5 and 6, don't have it up there, but he simply says, we're to speak with words of salt to preserve and to bring life. I'm going to try and finish up this passage and we'll be done. I'll just read it. It's there. James chapter 3, verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of ungodliness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. Ah, man. James is, is letting loose, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. That's strong language. Real quickly. What does Satan's name mean? The accuser and deceiver. What James is getting at is, if unbridled, if unchecked, our tongue will lead our lives in a course of deception because we're prone to lie and prone to deceive. Maybe not some of you folks, but the men are, right? Don't say it that way. But we are, and we have an inventory of our hearts. But James says there's good news. The good news is Jesus Christ. The good news is the gospel. The good news, he's come to break the power of sin and death and give it to all who would receive so that when we read the word, when we see what Jesus was really about, the unvarnished Jesus, when we see the things he taught us to do and obey, loving God and loving others, we can begin to be molded and shaped by the Holy Spirit and we can begin to talk and speak with opportunity during the day, not with 
I'm going to get them. So just see that. Your tongue can be your greatest asset in speaking to this world at this time and this place. Even if you disagree to whom you're speaking to, you have opportunity. I have opportunity. Your fingers, your responses on Facebook, your blog posts, if you still do that, any of us, your, the way in which we communicate can be a gospel lens for people to go, I don't agree, but man, Jeannie's kind and gracious. Or flip side, any snarky people in the room? I'm snarky. Anybody good at being snarky? I can get a PhD in that. Thank you for the honesty, right? We'll have class together later. Teach, some, teach some, each other some techniques, right? That is where it gets tough, especially we people of faith. Because part of that gospel mandate to my communication is to allow the Holy Spirit to bridle my snarkiness as well. Even though it's witty and funny. I'm funny sometimes. I'm hitting home on some of you. You know I'm right. But we have got to have that bridle as well. Because that is not what Christ has commanded us to live like. The hard part is trying to use those gifts, and we all can do it, to speak salt and light. And we can So James hits the hammer on the head. We'll finish next verse. Let's just read through 12 and we'll be done just so we see it. Verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile of the sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Pretty true, right? I don't know who tamed the first rhino. God bless him. That's all I'm going to say. James chapter 8, or verse, verse 8, sorry. But no human being can tame the tongue. Is it a restless evil full of deadly poison? Next verse. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse the people who are made in the likeness of God. That sounds like who and where? That sounds like Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, remember? Can a good tree produce what? Bad fruit? Can an apple tree make bananas? Probably not. Something wrong, something toxic in there, right? Maybe in Chernobyl 25 years ago. Okay, next one, verse 10. From the same mouth come blessing and cursings, my brothers. These things ought not be so. 11. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? No way. James is hypothetically asking, why are we doing that in the church? James is good. He's just like, here it is. And last verse today. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Further reason I am saying this is a commentary on what? The Sermon on the Mount. He spoke just like his half-brother as a pastor. He says, closing, Christians, no fresh water pond produces salt water. If it did, it would be quarantined and people would come take pictures and go, that's crazy. I want none, none of that. How can we then speak blessing and cursing? The inference is what? We may think we have it all together, but the people we're trying to love go, I know they praise God on Sunday morning for an hour and 20 minutes. How come I got that email Tuesday afternoon? Oh! And don't be mad at your pastor being encouraged because your pastor is saying what? Use those 15,000 opportunities going forth to say, I'm going to make my words and I'm going to make my mouth leave no doubt that I'm trying to follow Jesus. If, I don't often do this, but I'm standing. If this sermon hits home 
and some of us need a fresh start, stand up as I pray. Good. I'm going to be honest in church. There's no condemnation here. Jesus is requesting us to take our opportunity every day with our 15,000 plus to be salt and what? Light with our words. Let me pray. We'll be done. There'll be fellowship right over there. Come say hi to someone. Give someone a side hug if that's appropriate. And we'll uh, continue in our worship. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this gathering. Thank you for this letter written to Christians many years ago by a pastor who not only knew you, knew his own shortcomings, and then was encouraging people to pursue you, Jesus. Father, help us with our forms of communication. Give us the grace and the wisdom to remember your word. Holy Spirit, come and shape our hearts and minds to be people who would speak salt and light, to be peacemakers with our words, to be ones who would give others benefit of doubt and speak life. Father, as we go, I pray that you would bless us and keep us, that your face would shine upon us, that you would be gracious to us all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.